Praise the Lord. This is Pastor Johnson from Bethel Lady Church. Thank you for downloading our podcast. We are so glad we could connect with you through this podcast. Please ensure you subscribe to receive new messages every week. We pray this podcast builds your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ and motivates you to live a life of excellence for the glory of our Lord. Thank you for your support. Enjoy the message. Today I want all of us to learn from God's word together. We'll just look at the scriptures to understand our relationship that we ought to have with money. Money. Some people they hate money. They don't like money. They dislike money. So today we want to study what kind of relationship we should have with money. Should we hate money? Should we avoid money? I used to think money is bad. I used to think money is bad and uh, that that I mean of course it was very immature of me in my childhood because I would attend all these bible studies and uh, some pastors would preach that money is bad money is from the devil you know stuff like that and uh, <clears throat> that actually those are the reasons I guess growing up in very very strong bible preaching community culture uh, i made a decision that i will be very careful to preach only the bible because eventually i began to realize that with good intentions people preached wrong things with good intentions they said things which they said but they said it in the name of god as if god said it so I used to have this uh, feeling that money is a bad thing. Didn't want to touch money, don't want to handle money. What well, hey listen. <laughs> Now if if you're an angel that after the Sunday service you're going to fly out from here to heaven then of course probably uh, you don't need to think about money. But if you're planning to land back on the earth <laughs> then you need to understand how to handle money. because that's going to be a reality of our everyday existence on the earth requires money so what is the relationship a child of god should have with money how should we look at money okay let's start with this uh everything you see all the wealth prosperity everything you see belongs to god almighty principle number 1 everything belongs to god okay you're not convinced psalm 24:1 let's read the earth is the lord's and the fullness thereof the world and they that so the bible is saying the earth belongs to god the world belongs to god two words are used there earth and world why is uh, you know book of psalm is uh, 
Hebrew poetry, worshiping God in poetic terms. So is that the reason? No, not really. That's not the reason. The reason is God was intending two things. Earth means minerals of the earth, materials of the earth, substance of the earth, chemicals of the earth, chemistry of the earth, geography of the earth. World means the systems of the world, civilizations of the world. So earth means geography, world means demography. Earth means physical, world means social. And the Bible is saying the earth belongs to God, the world belongs to God, God owns everything. Now some of you, you have property uh, in Bangalore and that's good, you should have. And some of you probably have property in your hometown. Uh, some have property elsewhere, it's farmlands, acres of land. How do you know it's yours? Because you have a title deed. You have a title deed. In, in Bangalore they call it Khata. K-H-A-T-H-A, Khata. That itself you have A Khata, B Khata, E Khata. That's like your final title deed. So if you have a title deed in your hand, you can say, okay, that 80-40 double, double site, BDA, gave it to me, it's mine. You have the title deed. But suddenly the government of Karnataka decides that they have to build a road that way. They will put it under the extraordinary notification and pass at 28 bar 4 or whatever it is, 6 bar 1, whatever they call it, and take it under whatever Housing Board Act or KIADB Act, or uh, if it's a BDA Act, or under the Village Abolition Act. Just trying to show off what I know. But the point is, <laughs> sorry. I had to say that because you were not understanding. What a silly person I am. So, all of these act empowers the government of Karnataka to take over your property. And you go to the court and say, Metro has notified my property under the Railway Act. I am losing my property for the road under NHAI Act. Court will say, no problem, beta. They won't say beta, but don't, don't worry. Compensation for you. What is the uh, estimated market value, EMV? We will take 2.5%, 3%, you know, sorry, 300%. In metro, sometimes 400%. Take it. No, property, property you won't get. Some compensation. Why? Because you have, some people call it pata. You have khata, you have title deed. But a bigger title deed the government of Karnataka has over your property where government feels primarily the land belongs to the government. Government owns the land. That is when suddenly the central government under extraordinary powers, they notify the same land for defense or for something which is very unusual. Supreme Court says, 
Karnataka government don't fight about it. Central government requires it. Federal government has. Because federal government says, whole India belongs to us. What about your BDSI? Now, that belongs to you. Now, Indian government says, whole Indian jurisdiction belongs to us. God says, Psalm 24.1, full globe, my property. The original title deed of the entire thing is with our heavenly father. Hallelujah. In, uh, in Bangalore Tahsildar language, if you become a child of God, you have become the Khatadhar. You have become the title deed owner of God's wealth. The minute you understand that the whole thing belongs to God, your attitude to it changes. You don't see it as a dirty thing. You don't see it as a bad thing. You don't see it as something which is to be repulsive, negative. No, it belongs to your heavenly father. And therefore you're confident. He will guide you, he will lead you. And you have a different attitude towards it. <coughs> we had to <coughs> buy some land because English service, we were not having space. From 2018, I think, we became very serious about looking for land. We want more land. So we started praying, God, we want land. I have a decision. I don't want to go too far from here because we're sort of centrally located as far as we are concerned. Uh, when we came here, this was the outskirts of Bangalore. I'm not really outskirts because Yalahanka is still further away. But still, uh, it wasn't center of the city when we came here, 2005. So when we started church worship service here. <clears throat> so over the years, this has become a very important uh, locality of Bangalore, suburb of Bangalore. So now we don't want to go far from here. So I was looking for a land within five kilometers and it's impossible to get a land because on our west is Hebal Lake and uh, all the way to BEL and all those uh, government projects. Now you can't build a church in lake, so that's not possible. Towards the south is uh, the railways and Hebal area and villages. Uh, and again, see, we can't buy another uh, double site and build a church. No, we need a few acres. Now, we can't think smaller than that. Towards the north, impossible. Because you've, you've straight away got the Arkavati notification. In fact, I had met with the uh, commissioner, BDA, and asked him, give me some land. And he told me, I want land. No? <laughs> they are not having enough land to develop, it seems. So... <clears throat> That, and then you have the Jakur Flying Club a few kilometers, so there's nothing available this side. And then towards the east, towards the east again, you have the Nagwara Lake, and there's basically no land available because everything is, you have the Manyata region, but everything is under litigations or is notified by the industrial board. The only three acres I could find, which was clean title, was uh, 100 feet away, but they made it very clear that that's the only clean title in this whole region. And therefore, it is not on sale. You will not get it. Forget it. 
But one scripture kept coming back to my heart and it keeps coming back at different times. It kept coming was the book of Deuteronomy. It says when God created the planet earth, he marked the territory for his children. You know, it just, yeah. Sometimes when you pray, you must understand you are start standing in the courtroom of God. You must go with clause and chapters and all that. You can't go saying somewhere it is written, pastor told. All that won't work. You should know. You remember how Jesus told the devil? It is written. Huh. You can't say, devil, somewhere it is there, no one. <laughs> See, that Christianity won't work. If you have to refer to Google, then it's sad. So we kept praying, God, we know you will provide. And God gave us, you know, just next door, three acres of land. We got it like that. What a miracle. And we wanted money to buy it. Nobody knew here until we purchased it. And you all won't believe. I mean, of course you'll believe because now we picked it up. But the fact is, when I agreed for 100 crores and I signed, and 100 crores was just the land value, then you have taxes and all that in crores again. With all, I don't know what, 108, 110 crores something. The reason I speak this freely is because the, this, is all, this is all white and black, you know. I, the reason I'm not, I'm not sheepish about it and, oh, I don't know, can I say, I don't have that attitude because it's all white and black, you know, it's all public records. So, uh, I, I don't have all this willy-dilly stuff. And because of that, I, I missed a lot of stuff. They would tell me, if you can't do in black, then we can't deal with you. I would say, no, black. I'm black enough. I don't want more black <laughs> in life, you know. <laughs> so, but uh, what happened, when we signed, we didn't have the money. I would come and preach here, never talk about money. Never talk about offerings. And talk about whatever God spoke to me. But when we had to pay, by that Sunday, money would be there in the bag. God owns everything. God would put it in your pocket, you would put it in the offering bag. Why God didn't give me pastor? Because God knows how you put in the bag. God knows in whose pocket if he puts... Finally, his tabernacle has to be built. So it happened. I never, only after we purchased, I told, yes, we picked up and we all were so happy. And that, that December we had programmed there. Now again, we're going to build a big church. Lot of money we need. You will not hear me talk about all this. Because earth and its fullness the world and everything in it belongs to my heavenly father. <laughs> Hallelujah. You, we should have a cool attitude about, see, walk in the will of God. That is all what is required. And understand that everything belongs to God. It is not bad. It is not negative. It is not evil. Money is not a negative thing. We have to have a healthy relationship with money because we have to relate with this in our existence on the earth. 
Principle number one, everything belongs to God. Israel understands this. Israel as a country, they understand it. I don't preach too much about Israel because I'm more concerned about our daily life. You know, after I finish preaching, when you step out, you have to live in the planet. So I'm more focused on my, on, on practice. I know there are some people who like to be very deep into eschatology or when will Jesus come? When will triple six come? You know, all the six have to come together to make triple six or can they be distant? There are so many theories. <laughs> So, I don't pay too much attention to these things because our daily life is very important. But Israel is a very interesting chapter of God and there's also, I would say Israel is God's clock. If you want to look at what will happen to the earth, look at what Israel is showing as the timing of God. Israel is more like a wall calendar of God. If you want to understand what heaven is clocking on the earth, look at Israel. You can see the hands of divine clock for the demography and the geography of the planet earth ticking on Israel. Okay, so in the book of Genesis, when God blessed Israel through Joseph and through Jacob, they're very interesting. The tribes of Israel, Jacob says, and Asher, Thy feet shall be dipped in oil. What a prophecy. Now, Israelite fellows, they are very clever. 1947, Ben Gurion, the first prime minister of Israel, said this is a Jewish nation and declared themselves as an independent nation and Palestinians been there from whatever number of years and all of those things. What happens? When when Joshua had divided the tribes of Israel, sorry, when Joshua had divided the land for the tribes of Israel, according to the orders that God had given through Moses and through other ancestors, prophetic ancestors of Israel, the Abrahamic oath, they superimposed the map of the tribes of Israel on the land of Israel and found where Asher tribe comes and guess what they found in Asher tribe region that's got the best oil in the world and the largest quantity deposits of Middle East is right there now they found it in Israel in the where the Asher tribe was given the land exactly there they have got this fantastic mineral oil deposit And they have already started looking at how to get it done. (laughs) 4,500 years ago, Jacob is prophesying, Asher, in your land, you will dip your feet in oil. This whole thing God created. So he knows where he poured oil and kept. Why God put oil and kept pasta? Because one day the whole thing will burn. So he's kept everything ready. One day he will strike. The whole thing will burn. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that day your garden will go. But point is, <laughs> it's, it's sad, but, but don't worry. That day will be in a better garden. Those who didn't clap now, meet me later. You need salvation prayer. So, 
God owns everything. Let's say that together. God owns everything. God knows, my brother, where you need a house. God knows. You have a desire, God, I want to build a house, no land. Ask God, man. He's going to show you. Sister, he's going to show you. And you will get. There is never going to be no place in Bangalore where you don't have place for you. Many years ago in our church, that time we didn't have English church. We just had Kannada, Tamil, Malayalam. And uh, I was a schoolboy. One fasting prayer, fully crowded in the church. It was a special fasting prayer. Pastor called for a special fasting because most people lost jobs. Nobody has a job. And those days there is no dot com, no? There is no software. So it's all uh, like pe when people studied engineering, then they did engineering. <laughs> so unlike today. Uh, so as in today you have a lot of variety of stuff uh, which your your Okay, that's not important. So, all these technical people, they lost their jobs and a bad recession, all are in prayer. One person, oh, church is overcrowded, unusual, because nobody's got job, all are in prayer. So, one prophetic voice God raised while fasting prayer. And uh, the question was this, the Lord asked the, Audience, the church must be about 200 people that time, all sitting on the mats in prayer. The Lord asked this question, when I can employ lakhs of people in Bangalore, can't I open a door for my children? It just shook the way people were praying, just changed. After that prophecy, people stopped crying and praying and started thanking God. God, thank you that you're going to open a door for my work. Somewhere, because it's nothing impossible with you. Everything is. The attitude just changed. Next month fasting prayer. I'm sitting with the drum. You know, to beat it into anointing. And my dad told me, beat softly. <laughs> because nobody is there. All got job. No one is there in fasting prayer. <laughs> you are anyway not expecting neighbors to sing. So beat soft. In the big hall, hardly 10 people. Men, women, all got job. That prophetic word just changed the attitude. I think God owns everything. He'll take care. He owns everything. He'll take care. That college admission, that transfer, God owns everything. Hallelujah. Second thing, second principle, principle number two, our relationship with money. Number one, God owns it. Number two, God is our resource. God is our resource. Let's say that together. God is our... One brother in our church was telling me 24 lakh rupees he kept in the car cash and he was roaming around for one cylinder oxygen two years ago in Bangalore. 24 lakhs rupees he was keeping and roaming around for one oxygen cylinder two years ago in Bangalore. Money will not help you sometimes. God should be our resource. God should be our resource.
Let's read Philippians chapter 4, verse 19. And my God, oh, let's read that together. And my, let's say that again. And my God will meet all your needs according to the riches of his glory in Christ. Amen. Money can buy medicines, but healing comes from God. Money can buy a mattress, but good rest comes from God. Money can give you a great wedding, but a blessed marriage comes from God. <laughs> Money can help you with a good uh, uh, delivery of your child in a five-star uh, hospital, but a healthy attitude of the child comes from God. Hmm. Don't want to say more, I'll leave it at that. So, <laughs> if, you are, if you are looking to your job, education, government, or someone else, or even the church as your source, you have limited your supply. God is your source. Don't put anything above God. My God shall supply. He will meet all your requirements. Just there is a difference between need and a greed. There is a difference. But that is different from person to person. So what is your need? God will give you abundance. Amen. You should look at God as your resource. I preach here very, very boldly. You must have noticed. Because I, I've understood one thing. Nothing is impossible with God. Absolutely nothing is impossible with God. Okay, one story is coming to my mind. Last week, this young couple came to me. If you are here today, I want you to just stand up and wave your hand. Okay, in case you are in this service. They came to me. It was Wednesday. I was not doing well and I was sneezing and coughing. And I told her, I don't want to touch your baby. And don't sit down. Stand, pray and go because baby shouldn't catch cold because of me. What do you want? They said, Pastor, last year we came when I was uh, carrying. Then uh, after that, I couldn't come and meet you. I've come to show the baby. I said, good, I seen. Hold, let's pray. So because I'm <clears throat> coughing and all that, I, do, I do, you know, I want to be careful. So they don't want to leave me. They said, read this. And I don't want to touch anything because, you know, all this... Uh, COVID hangover is still there in the mind, you know. So even though viral, it's not a problem, but still. But they forced me, they said, read. Are you here? That hip, hip miracle? Your baby hip? Okay, so what happens? <coughs> this uh, family, <coughs> so I read that medical scan report. It says, child doesn't have hip. That fetus doesn't have hip, something like it says. Hip is not there, that's specifically mentioned. So I said, oh, which one? And they both are crying, husband and wife, father and mother, crying, saying, this one. I said, but this looks nice. I mean, child looks fine. <laughs> that's why we came. <laughs> said, pastor, when we did scan report, doctor said this child doesn't have limbs and the hip is not there. It's a deformed child. It's too late, but under certain whatever, whatever, there is a freedom to remove that growth from the body and it is possible. And we were, because it had already 
become so large. Baby had already been formed, though deformed. We didn't know what to do. And we, in that complete chaos of mind, we came to the church for prayer. And whether you understood it fully or no, you just said one thing, go in peace, baby will be normal, and you prayed. You remember? I said, I don't. <laughs> because, you know, we pray for so many people, yeah. Some of you need to pray for me also to remember all these things. So, <laughs> I, I do remember them, but I didn't remember the details. So they said, anyway, pastor, we went back after a month. Because you said, don't do anything, we thought one more month we will uh, wait because doctor had said within a, some days and they didn't go back to the doctor for a month. Uh, that few days was over, they didn't go to doctor. They didn't do, go to doctor for over a month. And then when they went to doctor, doctor was like, this is too late. And anyway, let's do a scan. Three scans the doctor did. The doctor says, what is this year? There is no technology where you can attach hips to a baby in the womb. Because now the scan shows that hip is there on the baby. You know, uh, everything is there. How can this uh, three scans, original one scan, then additional three scans? Of course, parents have to pay, so that's a different thing. <laughs> then, <laughs> then they come with the baby. Hip, lip, everything is there. God owns everything. Take, take your child to the doctor, but healing comes from the Almighty. Take your child to the college, but his career comes from God Almighty. Have a fantastic wedding service. Have a bash. Let your Christmas cake be taller than what you can touch. But a good marriage comes from God Almighty. Let God be your source. Let's say that together. Let God be my... Don't make money your source. Don't make influence your source. Let God be your source. Deep in your heart, be convinced God is my trust. God is the one in whom I count on. God is the one who will lead me. Basics are so important. Amen. God will... Meet our need in Christ. Let's say that together. In? Because it's a relationship. And my God shall meet all your needs according to his riches in of his glory in Christ. So it's a relationship through which he provides. Okay, principle number three. Number one, God owns it. Number two, God is our source. And number three, we are stewards of God's riches. We are stewards. We are managers of God's wealth. The money in your hand is a joint property of you and God. So use it in consultation with God. Simple. Don't waste it on things that are against God. Am I helping anybody here? The most watched funeral that happened in the human history happened last month. When Queen Elizabeth was laid to rest on September 19th. It was the most watched human funeral burial service in human history. Across, from the time this planet was created till today, that was the most watched human burial service. The pomp, 
the grandeur, including the diamonds that were stolen from India, was all put to display. But just before she could be lowered into the grave, as the cameras were shutting off and uh, the world was not allowed to see, the Archbishop said this, Now let us remove all the symbols of power from the coffin so that our sister Elizabeth can be committed to the grave as a Christian. Immediately the staff of office was removed, the sceptre then was removed, then the crown was removed from the casket and all valuables were removed and the title queen was removed and Elizabeth was lowered into the grave with one thing, it's called nothing. If that was Elizabeth's condition. I don't know if anything different can happen to us. <laughs> it just happened a month ago. So, let's learn to be stewards of what is God's treasure. It includes our time, by the way. Next Sunday, I'm going to be preaching a very important sermon, but on relationships again. So, we are stewards of God's treasures in God's way for God's purpose and always for God's glory. Therefore, the essence of instruction about how we relate with wealth is that it should be meaningful with what we are trusted. Now, many people, they think that money is bad. And, and it comes from this scripture. Let's read. First Timothy chapter 6, verse 10. For the love of money is a root of all. Okay, enough. You know, somehow many people twist this verse and they interpret it wrongly and say, money is the root of all evil. God didn't say that, yeah. See, when you read the Bible, every word is there for a reason. And God knows English. So he didn't write anything wrong there. Money is not evil. I'll show you another verse. Let's go to the book of Ecclesiastes chapter 10 verse 19. Feast is made for laughter and wine maketh merry, but money, let's read that together, money. So Bible is saying it's a good thing. Bible is already saying money is a good thing because it answers. It does a lot of good. I've never felt money is bad. Uh, because when I started studying the Bible, I discovered that money is a neutral stuff. It is neither good nor bad. It's about how you handle it. You are good or bad, and depending on that, the money usage will be like that. Have you ever seen a microphone singing? It will not sing good or bad. Somebody who sings good or bad will be amplified through it. That's all. Money will only reveal who you are. Money doesn't reveal itself. Oh, that fellow is nasty, filthy. <laughs> that person is nasty, filthy. Now that he's become wealthy, he's nasty, filthy, wealthy. Wealth was never filthy. 
Wealth was neither holy. Wealth is wealth. That's what it is. It's neither holy nor unholy. A fellow who has it makes it good or bad. That's what it is. As a church, so many good things we are able to do simply because our attitude to money is very simple. It's a tool God has given us to use. We use it in the right way and we, that's, that's about it. We don't talk much about it. During the COVID days, we were able to help thousands of people and we thank God for that. But one story that came to my mind in the first service, and I said it there, so I'll repeat it now, is about one old couple in our church who stopped coming to church. Their children abandoned them and they became unhealthy. They couldn't visit, but they were going to the prayer group, local prayer group. They stopped that also. Then came COVID, completely stuck. Somehow that name, somebody brought it up to the mind and back and forth. I called up this young man from the church and I said, hey, you know that family? He said, yes. Said, can you go and find out? And so he had, you know, government had issued passes to few people during COVID days uh, to go out and help out social services. And he had one of those passes. So I told him, can you go and reach out to this family? And he went, checked with the, you know, those days neighbors don't even want to open the door. So much of fear. Finally found the house and knocked the door, no answer, pushed the door open or broke it open because nobody was helping. And guess what? This old man and his wife were on the floor unconscious. They were going to die, abandoned by children, uh, ran out of money, no food in the house, became sick and left to die. Now, thank God. Now, we, there are some organizations that we sponsor in a very small way maybe, but uh, we try to help out called one of those organizations, had this family, you know, entrusted to them for medical care. Thankfully, they, be, they came back to life as in uh, normalcy and uh, uh, they passed away a little later, but they were alive for some time and healthy. It's one of the so many stories. I probably have never said this story in this church before, but came to my mind this morning, so I shared it. And I might just share it in every service today. Point is, if we don't have money in our hand, we can't do things. And I'm not one of those guys, this church does not believe in God has to send dollars to us. We don't need dollars. Our God can work through Indian rupees. You know, I, I don't believe in, uh, I'm sorry, I don't believe in all this, you know, uh, oh, we need to go and raise money here and there. We raise Jesus. That's all. They don't raise money. Money will come. Money will follow. Bible says, and blessings will overtake you. In other words, in Bangalore, you know how people want to overtake. You know why? Move to the side. I want to overtake. Money will come like that behind you. It is written in the word of God. You don't clap. Remain poor. I don't mind. It is up to you. You better get excited and believe God for a blessed future. So, money is a good thing. Money answers all things. That poor family, lying unconscious, going to die, is a miracle that we were able to resuscitate them and bring them back. Now you tell me if it's a poor church, during COVID, where we'll raise funds? I don't believe in poverty. I don't believe in prosperity. I believe in God. Amen. And I, I believe we should have a healthy attitude towards money. Yes. 
Amen. We should have a good attitude towards money. It is a tool that God has given and we must use it well. And only problem is don't love money. Let's read that again. 1 Timothy chapter 6. For the love of money, huh, that is the problem. Money is not the problem. When you love money, that is the problem. And people who don't have money also can love money. It's not only the people who have money will love money. Fellow with nothing in the pocket also, instead of loving God, he loves money. Because it's a disposition of the heart. Don't love money. Use money. Make money. Keep money. But love God and the people God has put in your life. Love God with all your heart. These are simple principles which you practice and you will live a victorious life in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Let's read that whole verse. First Timothy chapter 6 verse 10. For the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil. It is through this craving that some have wandered away from the faith and pierced themselves with many pangs. So stop loving money. Make money. Keep money, save money, use money, but love only God and God's people. Have right motives. Number one, so that you can be a blessing. Why should we have that attitude? Because anything God gives us is to be a blessing to others. And don't compare yourself with others. This is a very dangerous thing in today's Facebook generation. Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, YouTube has all put us in a tube of comparing one with other. This is so bad and unfortunate. Don't compare yourself with anybody. You do what is required for you. Amen. Last year, me and my wife and my children, for our marriage anniversary, we went to a restaurant. And uh, uh, we decided to eat in a small restaurant, actually. But uh, we went there. And interestingly, another pastor in the city was there. Good friend. So we had a good time talking and all. When we finished, I told him I have to leave now and... So the four of us were walking out and that pastor was walking with us. He was alone. He was walking with us. He's much elder to me. And uh, as we were walking out, I, I turned on my car uh, and that's, uh, you know, it makes that noise when you open the door. And he looked at my car and said, that is your car. I said, yes, pastor, it's a new car. It's Wagner. And he looked and he said, Chah! even today my children make that expression and they laugh about it. <laughs> they laugh like, Chah! even there they started laughing. And he said, come, you see my car, Audi Q7 or A7, something. See how comfortable you feel inside. We finished talking. <laughs> he in his car, I in my car. I reached home comfortable in with that big car. Where you'll reach home? It'll take long time. 
<laughs> Many of my friends, pastors in Bangalore, they have beautiful cars, BMW 7 Series. You know, after first service, my wife was reminding me, some of my very close pastor friends, they all have fantastic cameos. Then, uh, okay, I forget now. She reminded me, all crores of rupees worth cars. Tomorrow, if I feel, I, I, it's not like I'll drive only Wagner, it's holy and all, nothing like Tomorrow, if I feel I require a Rolls Royce or a helicopter, I'll buy. I am not scared of anybody. I'll do what I believe is right. Yeah, yeah, I know. But, but point is, I never felt, for me, I have felt that I need a vehicle that moves me from point A to point B at the earliest. And uh, I have got, thank God, more than one car. What more I need in life? I'm blessed, you know. I don't compare, you don't compare yourself with, I don't have to think that, oh, I'm pastoring the largest church in the city. No, I don't, I don't have to, maybe I'm pastoring the largest church in the city. That doesn't mean I should compare my lifestyle with others. My lifestyle should be based on my conveniences, not based on what others have. This whole problem of comparing ourselves with others, if you stop that, you will see the blessing of God flowing in your life. Stop comparing with others. Go ahead, give God a big hand. Come on. Hallelujah. We'll have a happy life here. Don't compare yourself with others. Don't look at what others have or what I'm missing. Don't want. Don't love money. Don't love these luxuries. If God gives you luxuries, use it. Have it, no problem. Buying more land is not a sin. But if you have a problem of loving those things and that is coming between you and God, then there is a major problem. I told you, God has already put oil under all this and kept it ready. One day, it will all burn. No, no amen for... Uh, <laughs> huh? Okay, we must have right motives with whatever God gives in our life, with our time, our talents, our treasures. Our motivations should be right. The whole idea is, I want to be a blessing to the kingdom of God. I want to be successful so that my life is meaningful in a positive way to others. Have that thinking, whether you're a doctor or you're a, a journalist or Whatever be your vocation of life, be successful, be excellent, so that your life will be a positive influence in some way glorifying God. And excel in that. Be successful in that. Then what about people who talk bad about us? <laughs> really? Do you even want to consider such things? Have you ever come down to your house and written in the diary, today three dogs barked at me? <laughs> Yesterday, two dogs barked, the third one forgot. No. <laughs> Those are not considerations, right? I mean, even when I'm saying it, you're laughing at it, right? Don't take those into considerations. What people talk is what people talk. As long as talking is not taxed, these things will happen. We must participate in the prosperity plan of God. Let's say that together. We must 
poverty is the devil's idea. God did not build desert. He built a garden with all fruitful trees. God built gardens and the devil turns places into deserts. Now, some, some places, God can turn a desert into a meaningful situation. That's a different story. But God is a God of gardens. So we must learn to appreciate the culture of work. To participate in divine prosperity, we must appreciate the concept of hard work and smart work. Work is important. We must not only prosper, but we must progress. In other words, it's not enough to work. We must become more skillful in our working. Especially we must, we must become more stress-free. We must become more rested in our working. Don't work with tension. Some people have made it like a, their, their work culture is like KSRTC bus. <laughs> Always humming. Their engines are always roaring, you know. <laughs> Sometimes I get all these practical examples. <laughs> Our engine should be smooth. Should be like electric car. Assuming that it doesn't make noise. Don't, don't be very noisy in the mind. No, I'm not talking about speaking alone. I'm talking about the mind also. Don't the, let the mind be on its own... No, there will be some RJ sitting inside playing that bad experience. Oh, what they said. Oh, what the other said. Oh, this fellow has come. Oh, this one is another. No, tell that RJ. Beckett. <laughs> I don't want your dance steps anymore. Philippians chapter 4. Let these thoughts rule in your mind. Thoughts of peace, good report, lovely, excellence. So we got to be people who learn to work. See, to participate in divine prosperity, we must work in rest. Work is very important, but in a rested attitude, not in a frustrated attitude. No, you want God to bless, you have to work. Whether it's business, you have to work. Work is very important culture. And instead of investing money into your startup, invest your talent, invest your energy, invest your time. Don't try to replace it with money. That's not the way to work. Because unless there are efforts, there is nothing that God can really bless. So we must improve and increase. We must be faithful and fruitful. We must work hard and we must work smart. If I had more time, I would have explored a little more on those statements. Proverbs chapter 22 actually says something beautiful. It says, have you ever seen someone who is diligent in their work? <coughs> God says, I'll make sure they will not have to serve mean people. They'll go up the ladder and I'll prosper them. October, this is a month that I take time to start preparing for the next year. I started this a few years ago. The whole thought pattern was this. I'm serving God. I want to give my best to God. Why not start praying for the next year, a few months in advance, and seek God. Lord, what's your plan? Give me some sense of direction. God will speak. 
If Saturday night I can pray, those days I used to do like that. Saturday night I pray, Sunday morning I come with a fire preaching. Then I used to think, why? If I can pray on Saturday night and hear God for Sunday morning, might as well pray one week in advance and hear from God one week in advance. So I started doing that. One week in advance I hear from God and whole week I pray for that message and preach on Sunday. And in between other meetings I preach, that's a different story. Then I thought if I can do it one week in advance, why not one month in advance? Now I'm doing one year in advance from a few years. See, the point is become more skillful, become more intentional. After your retirement, who are you going to live with? Your family, no? So try to have peace with them. (laughs) Make sensible choices. Because your boss is not going to be with you after your retirement. That colleague is not going to be with you after your retirement. You will be with your family. So invest values into them. Work hard, work smart and be skillful. Saving. Principle number two of working with God. Saving. Number one is work. Number two is saving. Have a culture of saving. Don't spend everything you get. One small amount you keep aside. Live within your income. Live within your income source. If you have got a small income, take a small house. Don't worry about it. It's okay. And be happy. Save. For what? I don't know, but save. (laughs) Some amount you save. And also invest. What is investing? Investing is allowing some money that you save to keep working for you. And that's a good thing. In fact, at one point, God says, anyway, you fellows don't listen to me. At least you go and look at the ant, Proverbs chapter 6. Consider, they don't have a king, they don't have a ruler. But have you, do you know on the planet Earth, the one insect that has survived everything is ant. Ant. Dinosaurs have disappeared. <laughs> Everything is disappearing. Ants, they say, will be the last thing to disappear because of their lifestyle. Proverbs chapter 6, the Bible says, one thing they do is they work hard and they save for themselves. Let's say that together. Save. I want to be like Jesus. Correct. Jesus saves. Number three. I was noticing, I was hoping some millennials will clap, but anyway. Now, (coughs) number three, avoid worthless depreciating debt and think big. Depreciating debt. The problem with some of these credit card purchases is by the time you finished paying off your EMI, the value of what you purchased has already come down. Now, in some lifestyle choices that may be required, because you may be in a field of business where you have to show off. Sorry for saying it the way it is, but but unless it's a requirement, you might, a lot of people spend money that they don't have to please people they don't like. It's completely oxymoron. Don't do that. 
You don't have to show you're successful to people who don't like you. You just have to be successful. So, very important that we do not take money, borrow money from any source because the Bible also says in Proverbs, actually three years back, I think, yeah, 2018, I did a series on financial wisdom from the book of Proverbs. So I don't want to go too much into that, but uh, in that I had thought about the borrower becomes the slave to the lender. So don't you make yourself a slave except of God. And think big. Avoid worthless things. And think big. Plan big. Desire big. And God will give you success. All enjoyed God's word. The last one, fourth one. Learn to give. Be a giver. You say amen, then only I'm closing. <laughs> All miser people you have. Miser people, you are like Alsur Lake. <laughs> Giving people, you are like Kaveri River. Even people who want to commit suicide, no one dies in Alsur Lake. <laughs> they go to Kaveri water. Why? At least while dying, one clean water will drink and die. That sense is there. <laughs> Even people who want to commit suicide, they walk around Alsur Lake and say, I'd rather not die. Why Alsur Lake is so bad? It never gives out. It will keep taking. Why Kaveri water is so sparkling fresh? It never keeps. It keeps giving out. Now when you talk about giving, somehow people have this thing about money, money. No. See, giving is about your resources, your talents, your time. It's an attitude. It's not a thing that you give. Well, it sometimes is a thing that you give. But it, it's more about an attitude. I want to serve. I want to be meaningful in somebody's life. I want to be a blessing. I want to make a difference. God's children must think like that. We must be like Jesus. We must be givers. There is something in you that you can give. And to give, maybe you will have to become an IAS officer. Maybe you'll have to become a senior diplomat. Maybe you'll have to become a great businessman to give out. But let the motivation be to give out. Let it come from a pure heart. And then the blessing of God will be upon it. We must learn to relate with finances. It's very important. Close your eyes and say, Father, I want to have a relationship with your creation, the world and the earth, and its fullness belongs to you. I pray today, Lord, that as we learned from your word, people who may be having strange reasons for poverty, maybe poor choices, that led them into financial disasters, maybe accidents of some kind, maybe some kind of destructive situation, maybe they were cheated, some loss, 
But today I pray, Father, there will be an anointing of breakthrough. That people's poverty will turn into prosperity. In the mighty name of Jesus, let the blessing of God, the Abrahamic covenant blessing, be upon your people. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. I shall not lack. Father, that promise of yours, we pray will happen in every life where you are their shepherd. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Wherever you're seated or you're standing for lack of space, I want you to take a few minutes to pray to God and say, Father, I'm going to believe you for abundance. Protect my heart that my motivations will be clean. I want to be successful that your name will be glorified. As a young person, as an old person, I want my future to be filled with your glory. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Go ahead, church. Open your mouth. Talk to the Lord. Thank Him. And my God shall supply all your needs according to His glorious riches in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Nothing, absolutely nothing is impossible with God. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Heavenly Father, we want to thank you for this beautiful day that you've spoken to us in clarity. Each one here we pray will be victorious in their financial life. Abundant, successful, and that your name will be exalted. Hallelujah. That our life will be to your glory. In Jesus' name we pray and the people said, Amen. Thank you so much for listening to today's message. I believe that you are blessed. Please connect with us for prayer or counseling. Please do call us or visit our website or visit us. The details are given in the description. We'll be glad to serve you. Do subscribe so you can receive the latest podcast to encourage you in your journey in Christ. Please do share it with your friends too by clicking the share button. We are praying for you. God has great plans for your life. Thanks again for participating, listening. God bless you.